Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Woohoo! <laughs> hey everybody, this is Eric alongside Rod here to talk about Michigan State's resounding victory over the Baylor Bears, 88 to 64 at Little Caesars Arena this afternoon in uh, Detroit. Uh, before we begin, I just want to remind everyone if you want to support the show, please head on over to the Final Fours on the schedule.com slash support. You can find ways to either contribute to the show in a one time gift via PayPal or Venmo, uh, or also on a recurring basis through Patreon or Substack. Also, go ahead on over to the website if you want to get on the email mailing list so you get episodes emailed to you and that way you don't miss anything because we actually have a fun episode to do here today, Rod. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Uh, I just want to say there are three things I learned this last week. One, uh, if you're editing a podcast, it is always better doing it on a Caribbean beach. Number two, uh, we had to watch the game in a Caribbean airport and my son was able to FaceTime it to us while we're waiting because our plane was delayed. And so we saw about every, I want to say every other second, maybe every hundred frames or something like that. So uh, we were relying on his play-by-play. And I never appreciated Will Tiemann's play-by-play until I had my son try to do play-by-play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not oh, sure let me I'm tell you, it was that. It was uh, bad. Anyway. Uh, and, and also, he was also cutting in and out too, of course. Uh, <laughs> We're using the airport Wi-Fi down. <laughs> okay, but that—that's a technical yeah, well, difficulty, <laughs> though, which is distinct from an inability to accurately and insightfully describe what is going on in front of you. Yes, those are two uh, different but, things. Yeah, his. Uh, I mean, this is his play-by-play. Oh, Jeremy Fears looked like he got hit by a rocket launcher. Foul on Baylor. <laughs> Legal screen. So uh, anyway, yeah, he was. It was uh, so it was a lot of fun. It was a, we had a great vacation uh, as we were sort of on the run doing these episodes. And you know we're so committed to doing these things. Not only do we do them when we're on vacation and kind of in between, but uh, you know we're doing everything we can to get the, get good content to you guys. And so fortunately we have good content, not just good content, but like actually fun things to talk about. So uh, what a great game, great great highlight, punctuation to my anniversary week, which I know no one else really cares about, but I do. And so it was a great way to end. And this is not a game I had any ex- expectation of Michigan State. I mean, maybe I thought they'd win, but to the way they won and how badly they just, I mean, they punked B- Baylor the way they got punked by Wisconsin just a couple of games ago. Uh, Tyson Walker outscored Baylor in the first half. He had 18 and they only had 17. I mean, it was, uh, it was quite a performance. And it was, this is the team we kind of thought we were going to see this year. And I think finally we saw them. And, you know, of course, the other questions were how much more we're going to see them. But, I mean, let's. Why don't you just go into the game? Because I think you know it was it was a ton of fun to watch. 
even a delay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I've, uh, uh, we've talked about it at great length. The, the last two games, the two Big Ten games, were very, very discouraging to me. And, and I say that as somebody who's generally uh, glass half full when it comes to Michigan State basketball. And I would note with good reason, <laughs> because if the last quarter century has taught you anything, it should be do not bet against Tom Izzo and his program over mm-hmm. the long run. You know, a bad performance or even a couple bad performances doesn't usually mean very much in terms of where the team is going to end up. This year, to this point, had been different. And it had been different because they got off to a very rough start. And, I mean, you can, you can look back at it and say, well, James Madison's still unbeaten and they're in yeah. the top 25. But that was still a game at home you shouldn't have lost. And then, you know, they lose to Duke, they lose to Arizona, and I I think showed some signs of maybe starting to figure it out, but they still lost those games. And then they they go in and and just lay an absolute egg in two straight Big Ten games where, where you expect the intensity to be ramped up because they're conference games. And instead, Michigan State played, in my mind, it's two worst games of the season. Yeah. In, in, which is saying something um, in, <laughs> yeah. in losing those. So you enter this game against a team ranked in the top 10, unbeaten, playing extremely well, particularly on offense. And, you know, my, my position had gotten to the point where I felt they've got to show us something to get to engender belief. In, in this being a, a more typical Michigan State team that figures it out. You, right. You, in my mind, you could not, based on what we were seeing, you could not just say, well, it's Tom Izzo, it's Michigan State, it's December. By February, this will look very different and they'll be fine. You, you couldn't say that. You also, as we've started to touch on, you've got a problem in that the Big Ten as a league has been very bad. And so what that means is you don't have those opportunities for quality wins in the sheer number that you typically do in a a normal season. So all of that meant this was a very big game. And, And going into it, I don't think you could point to any rational reason (laughs) <laughs> why you would say, well, I think Michigan State's going to respond, never mind responding to the level that they did. Yeah. Um, you know, it. I, I was on Jack Ebling's show, uh, what day is it? I guess it was yesterday. Yeah. It was yesterday. And that's exactly what I said. I said, I am at the point where they have to show me that they're serious about about being a good team about doing the things that are necessary to win. Well, you know what? They did all those things. And it was, this was as enjoyable a Michigan State basketball game as I've seen in quite a while. And it was because they hadn't shown us any of this at any point this season. 
and yet they came out and won a game by getting back to the standards, to the roots of what has made Michigan State one of the elite programs in the nation over the last quarter century. They defended hellaciously. The first half defensive effort was as good as I've seen from a Michigan State team in a long time, particularly when you're you're factoring in the caliber of offense they were doing it against. This Baylor yeah. team, we talked about it in the preview. You know, they've just been shredding people. Everything they do, they were doing at a high level. And Michigan State held them to 17 points. You mentioned Tyson outscored their entire team. 17 points. I Never in a million years would I have figured they, they would have done that. <laughs> no. Their, their defensive rebounding. Baylor, a top 10 offensive rebounding team coming into the game. MSU shut them down on the defensive boards. Because of the way they defended and rebounded, they were able to get their transition game going. Yep. And they really punished Baylor that way. Um, you add all of those things up, and and I, and I think even things that don't necessarily show up immediately in the stat sheet, but if you watch the game, you know the physicality that Michigan State displayed. You know, Baylor is a, plays a physical brand of basketball. You yeah. know, that's something that Scott Drew has instilled in that program. And MSU was more than a match for them in that regard. Um, all of the things that we've come to know as staples of this program were on display. And and that's what made it great. You know, it wasn't that they went out, they went 19 for 30 from three, you know, yeah. or did that, that. Those things are fine, but they're not, they're not the the nuts and bolts of what makes this program what it's been. The things that that qualify as those elements were on display in this game, and that's what made it so much fun to watch. And you know, and so now the question becomes, which we can turn to later after we do the autopsy of this one fully. But <laughs> the question becomes: Okay, you've shown us now. You've shown us you can do this. Can you sustain it? Can you right. keep doing it, do it again, and do it again after that, and again after that? If they can, they can, th this team, particularly in the first half, that was a Final Four-level effort. I mean, oh, there's, sure. no, there's, there's just no two ways about it. That was, I would even say that's a national championship-level effort. Um, and you, can you continue to play that way? Or, or is it, you know, a, a momentary blip in in a strain of otherwise less inspired performances. That's gonna be that's gonna be the question. But nobody can talk if they were. Nobody can talk about well, this team just lacks the horsepower to do what's needed. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think any sane person knew it was bullshit. There's a reason they were ranked where they were ranked in the preseason. There's also a reason that they came into this game four and five. Today, <laughs> you saw those two things kind of reverse, and you saw the level of intensity, the level of focus, the level of toughness, the level of physicality, 
and the execution all rise to the to the level that allowed the performance to be at the point we all expected to see when the season started or beyond because honestly you you would never oh, yeah. figure you'd beat a top 10 opponent by 24 that's a that's well, a and really 30, right? I mean, it was pretty yeah, much 30 yeah. until the yeah. until the reserves came at the end. And they, the gave game up some really, stuff. yeah, in the second half, I mean, Baylor, this is maybe the, the most impressive thing I thought Michigan State did. You know, they, they go into the halftime uh, locker room up 28, and they come out, and you and I were texting and saying, boy, if they can just <laughs> deliver a really strong first five minutes of the second half, they can end this thing. Yeah. And... They did. Baylor came out, hit a couple threes, started to get some momentum. I think they actually got it down as close as 20. Yep, 20 points, yep. And then Michigan State responded. A.J. Hogard in particular, I think, responded. And they kept that game. It kind of lived in the 24 to 30-point range for pretty much all the second half. Yeah, they never really got any closer than that, and and that to me was really impressive because God knows, you know, not just Michigan State, any team coming off a first half the level of that one. It's very natural when you're talking about you know eighteen to twenty three year olds <laughs> to see them let their foot off the pedal, yeah, and and allow an opponent not necessarily to get. I mean, look coming back from 28 down would have been an all-time collapse or rally, depending on which end of the spectrum you were <laughs> on. But um, So I didn't expect that. But it would it have shocked me if Baylor had been able to whittle it down to, you know, 10, 11, and start to make it feel a little bit uncomfortable? No. That wouldn't have been a total shocker because those things happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly a team like Baylor that has shot the three so well this season. You, you couldn't rule it out. The fact that Michigan State responded to that push early in the second half, and Baylor ramped, I mean, they they ramped everything up. You know, defensively, they changed Pressing, some things yeah. up. They started, they started really um, hedging aggressively and doubling uh, A.J. or whoever had yep. the ball, uh, particularly when they weren't in the middle of the floor. Anytime they were near the sideline. There was an immediate double, and it threw MSU off Kelter for a couple minutes. So Baylor really did ramp it up, but the fact that Michigan State responded and gave them the Heisman, I think, was <laughs> was really really impressive to see, because it just told okay they're they're not they're not gonna you know limp their way through the second half and figure that they built enough of a cushion and, you know, win this thing by seven, but leave everybody with a semi-sour taste in their mouths, you know. They didn't yep. let that happen. And so I thought that was really impressive, too. And that was kind of like the winning plays you talked about in the last, where just they've been unable to sort of yep. mount those when they needed the scores and they were able to to do what they needed to do and respond to opponent ramping things up or changing things. 
the only correction I make for this is that actually this is probably going to be more of a necropsy. These are the Baylor Bears, and so we're going to um, <laughs> okay. go, go through fair, the game. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so we'll begin with our, uh, our brothers to just you gutters, the player that Michigan State needed to keep in the gutter, and I'm pretty sure it was RJ or Ray was. J. Dennis. It was. Uh, he was. He played 34 minutes, uh, 5 of 9 from the field, 1 for 3 from 3, missed his one free throw, had a rebound. Seven assists, six turnovers, uh, steal and 11 points. He tied for the lead for Baylor for 11 points and a relatively unimpressive uh, offensive effort for them. But they averaged 91 points a game. So, I mean, for sure, they they prevented him from getting doing what he needed to do to get the rest of his team going. And that's, I mean, that was sort of, that, well, that that along with other things that was, so I think it was very successful. I would, I would agree with that. You know, he was five for nine from the floor, so he, you know, sure. And you saw in the second half, he made some plays going to the basket where you could see why he's been so effective. You know, he's a he's kind of a stronger guy physically, and then you combine that with the shooting ability he's displayed this season. You got a very good player, so you could see the in in evidence why he's been so effective. But I thought Michigan State did a really good job. You know, the six turnovers. I'd have to go back and look to be certain, but I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess at least five of the six, maybe all six were forced. Michigan yeah. State as a team had 15 steals in this game. <laughs> Have you ever seen that for Michigan State? Uh, rarely, if ever. And it was, and that's the thing. I mean, Baylor had 21 turnovers on the game, I think is what they, yeah, 21 they yeah. ended up with. 15, 15 steals. steals. And it, and you know, it wasn't that Michigan State was gambling. It wasn't that they were doing anything out of uh, their normal structure. But I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what it was. It's that, and and you, if you, I, I don't know how many people listening to us listen to the post game press conferences, but Tom Izzo talked about it, and uh, Scott Drew talked about it. Scott Drew said and I'm paraphrasing, that was not the team we saw on tape defensively. And he's right. (laughs) We haven't seen him this year. They haven't been. This game, they were so, we we talked about it coming out of that Nebraska game. Michigan State plays gap defensive principles, right? Mm -hmm. That defensive approach should virtually never leave you open to being back cut all the kind of nonsense we saw in Lincoln and yet it did we didn't see that happen in this game Michigan State was so good with its help defense I thought they were incredibly impressive off the ball nobody more so than Cohen Carr a freshman how many times did you see Baylor try to throw the ball toward the rim and a Michigan State player, and Cohen Carr did it twice, get there first to to disrupt it. Um, it happened frequently. I thought Michigan State's um, ability to handle pick and roll, particularly in the first half, where they just smothered Baylor, was impressive. Baylor had more success in the second half, but it was you know it was too little, too late. Um, I thought Michigan State's ability to 
prevent Baylor's guards from really living in the lane, drawing a lot of fouls, getting to the rim, I thought was very impressive. Just overall, the defensive approach was outstanding. And I think when when this particular group is that sound, and then you combine it with the fact that they have a group of players that I think have unusually active hands. Yes, especially Walker. Yeah, Walker, Ho- but, Hogar but too. more than more than Walker. I mean, if you if you look at it, well, Tyson did have five steals, so he was the <laughs> ringleader. But so he had a third of the team. But AJ had three, Jaden yeah. had one, Holloman had two, Parr had two, Fierce had two. I mean, they really yep. spread the wealth around. This is a team that has a lot of guys that can make those kinds of plays with their hands without fouling. And, and particularly, a lot of it you saw today, I think, was in situations where Baylor would try to penetrate and they'd get denied and so have to hesitate. And that's where quick hands could take advantage of a moment's hesitation and lead to a steal. But it happened a lot of different ways. Deflections, you know, as I, as I mentioned, they did it a lot of different ways. But that was really impressive and i think with with getting back to the subject with um with dennis i think that was a big deal that michigan state was able to be very very disruptive with him you know seven assists is a nice game but it never felt to me like he was in control ever you know and and that's because of the way michigan state defended him so very impressive job and um, you know, once again, I think they they kind of cut the head off the snake to some yep. extent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I thought especially in you know with you're talking about the the gap defense, we, the the rotation by the bigs by Madi and by Cooper were so oh, good. Oh yeah, that, that every too. time they tried to get in, I mean they they and then they would then they still prevented the pass to the you know the the five cutting to the or four cutting to the rim. So, I mean it's. It was super impressive. Now, of course, that's all my still frame watching it. <laughs> Rotation and recovery was at a very high level. And I want to, while we're on the subject, I would, if if you want to see in writing a clinic in describing why Michigan State was so good defensively in this game, I'd encourage you, go read uh, Jim Comperoni from Spartan Mag's Twitter account. Because I, after the game, I went and reread what he was writing real time, and he nailed it, 100% nailed it. I called out all of the things we were just talking about and more. One of the other things I recall that he mentioned, which I think was absolutely true, Michigan State's recovery to three-point shooters was at a Michigan State standard. And what he meant was this. In some of the games this year, what you've seen has been some of the guards – kind of flailing out at shooters, out of control, trying to scramble back and recover to an open shooter. That's not Michigan State basketball. What you saw today were guys under control, rotating, recovering, getting to shooters, and making the shot difficult. Under control. There's a difference. And, And so, again, if you've got a few minutes... And you want to relive, you know, what's by far the best moment of the season thus far. 
I'd encourage you to go back and reread Jim's Twitter account for his blow-by-blow as the game was going on because, in my mind, he absolutely nailed why this was different. All right, well, let's uh, let's head to the five keys of the game and brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing brings great collegiate apparel, especially Michigan State. Uh, you can get all kinds of vintage things there. Uh, I just encourage you really to check out their, their website at nudgeprinting.com. Listeners of the show get 20% off by typing Final Four, that's just one word, into the coupon code at checkout. They've got not only Michigan State, but they have other schools uh, in the state of Michigan and other and nationally. So check out their stuff. They're always my f- family's favorite stuff. I mention it all the time, but it's because it's really true. We Everyone wants to wear the, the workouts. They want to wear it for the hoodies. Uh, even my daughter, who's not a big basketball fan, she likes wearing their stuff all the time just because it's so comfortable. So, uh, again, check out Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com, bringing to you the five keys of the game. And... Uh, Let's see. So we'll start with number one, guarding the arc. Well, I mean, without a doubt, they did they did this uh, really well, this game. Uh, Baylor, you know, number-wise, not terrible. I mean, they shot 31%, but that's because they shot f- four of nine in the second half, and a number of those were late when it really was meaningless. Uh, they were just two of ten in the first half, and they really were not comfortable shooting almost any of those threes, and they certainly had the wrong person shooting, just as you mentioned, just, you know, good recovery by Michigan State on those uh, those shots. They they rarely were able to shoot in rhythm. They were rarely able to shoot um, with the kind of spacing, I think, that they want. You know, we talked about it in the preview. Right. A lot of what has helped Baylor is their guards have done an excellent job in penetrating, so it's a lot of drive and kick stuff. That yeah. was not there in this game. Because Michigan State was denying penetration at a pretty effective level. So Baylor was never able to force the defense to collapse as much as they would like. Um, you know, even even some of the threes they hit, I don't think were great shots. You know, <laughs> they just, yeah. they went. Um, it was It was really impressive. And... And necessary because, again, you're, you're talking about a team that came in as one of the best three-point shooting teams in America. And as we mentioned in the preview, if a team that does as many other things well as Baylor does is hitting threes at that level, you've got almost no chance. Yeah. And and so that, to me, was kind of where it had to start, which is you got to find a way to limit their success and Michigan State did. I mean, six for 19, that's that's doing a job. 31.6%, which is 15 points below where they were averaging for the for the year. Right. So, yeah, a, definitely a big win for Michigan State there. Number two, defensive rebounding. We mentioned that oh, yeah. Baylor is an excellent offensive rebounding team, and they had only six offensive rebounds for as many misses as they had. Uh, that just was a little bit under 25%. So... A definitely win there. Michigan State got some going on offensive rebound. It seemed like they did better than they did, but uh, definitely when they're shooting as well as they are, then it's definitely they punish the team Look a lot more. Look at the percentage. They only had eight, but that was that was eight of eighteen. That was almost fifty percent. No, twenty-eight. Oh, I'm. Oh sorry. no, you're right. Eight. No, no, you're no, right. Eight of eight 18. of eighteen. Eight of eighteen. I was, I mis- yeah, they were thirty-one uh, yeah. for forty-nine from the floor. 
They were, they were one <laughs> offensive rebound short of a 50% offensive rebounding rate. Yeah. That's how it felt when I was yeah. watching it. Yeah, I had the wrong number. Yeah, <laughs> rightly so. I, I yeah. think, uh, but, but look, the offensive rebounding was great by Michigan State. I mean, that's a, that is a phenomenal performance. Anytime you're in the, you know, mid-40s in terms of an offensive rebounding rate, you've done an outstanding job. And it, it's compounded by the fact that Michigan State also shot 63% for the floor. <laughs> so even when they missed, they were still killing it. Um, yeah. That was all huge. But to me, defensive rebounding is where this thing started. I mean, it yep. really was. Baylor had been a top 10 team in terms of offensive rebounding rate coming into the game. Um, you know, other than Missy, who came in, I believe, averaging three a game, they didn't have any other guy. You know, we've talked about some teams lately like Wisconsin or Nebraska mm -hmm. where they've got a couple guys that are really spearheading it. With Baylor, it was one guy and then everybody else kind of chipping in. Um, but that makes it tough because you've got a lot of guys to worry about, not just a couple. Um, Michigan State was just outstanding. I mean, when you defend the way they defended and then you follow that up by collecting the misses, it just, it, it's it's the key to everything. You're yep. ending possessions with one missed shot. You're giving yourself a chance at times at least, to get into transition, which Michigan State did a very good job. And, I mean, they were only credited with 21 fast break points in this game, a 21-17 edge. It felt much bigger than that to me. A lot of secondary it. break stuff, right? Yep. Yeah, that's what... Yeah. yeah. Um, but but the defensive rebounding is, is so key because... You, and, and I don't need to tell anybody listening this but i'm going to say it anyway we all know it's one of the most deflating things that can happen in basketball you do the work to generate a missed shot and then you don't choke the possession off you don't end it they get an offensive rebound they get another chance and and especially obviously when they score off those second chances it's just deflating it just takes yeah. the life out of you and that did not happen today. And they, they did it against a team that's been very, very good in that area. You know, uh, they've shot extremely well on the season. So the first thing was you limit their success shooting the ball, especially from deep. Well, that's really important. But then you follow that up by ending those possessions with one miss, defensive rebound, boom, that's it. It's huge. Yeah. Well, and of course, the other thing, too, about that is the offensive rebounds, your defense is distorted, and so you get an offensive rebound. You either have it, you're close to the basket, and you can get a quick little two, or you can kick it out for a wide open three. Sure. And that's, and that's, and I imagine, you know, I'm sure Baylor gets a lot of their, um, you know, yep. I'm sure that's where they it's get a, a lot of the threes this year, too. It's so a good they point. weren't able to do that, right? I would, I would think that also was a big part of limiting their success from three. You're absolutely right. We saw Michigan State do it a couple times. Oh, yeah, game. right. For sure. And and it's again, it's such a hugely deflating thing. You know, we talk a lot on our podcast for obvious reasons about the numbers, about statistics. But we all know, particularly when you're talking about young people playing a game, emotion is a big part of it. 
There's there's For no sure, two yeah. ways about that. And when when you have an opponent do those kinds of things against you, it has an impact. It can snowball on you. And conversely, when you deny them that, they don't get those chances, things they're used to being able to do, I think frustration can set in for that team. And I think, I mean, I didn't. it didn't feel to me like Baylor was frustrated particularly. I think they were just kind of shell-shocked. Yeah. They, they were definitely, um, yeah, I think frustrated, just more that just not unable to figure it out. I think just, right. you know. They didn't have answers. Yeah. They yeah, didn't have exactly. answers. Yeah. Just, they were just struggling. As my son would say, they're on the struggle bus. All right. So the third key to the game, making shots. I, so I don't know. I mean, I guess Michigan State shot, what, 63%. I think that's pretty good. They shot 67% from three. So, yeah, I'd say they did okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the single biggest thing. And, and people are going to focus on the threes. Yep. And, and I get it. It was a good performance. Tyson Walker especially. Um, who, by the way, and this might shock some people, Tyson Walker's up to 39% on the year from three. Michigan State as a team is now at 32%. And believe it or not, they are now out shooting opponents from three on the year. It's 32% to 30.9% after today's game. I know those numbers probably shock everybody. But <laughs> in any event, all that stuff is really good, but it wasn't the most important thing Michigan State did. The most important thing Michigan State did, in my mind, offensively, was um, 42 points in the paint. Yeah. Yeah. In this game. Now, how did they do that? Well, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm forgetting one, I'll cop to it. But I don't think Michigan State, I don't recall a single post up basket in this game. I don't think there nope. was one. Nope. Um, because this was not a game where Malik Hall was really doing a lot of damage. Um I guess there was one quasi he, he kind of half drove, right? Yeah, yeah, he was he he sprung open and Jeremy Fears spotted him and then he went to the bucket kind of double clutched and hit. But that wasn't a pure. He wasn't backing somebody down anything like that. Um how did Michigan State do it? Well, they had by far their most effective game in pick and roll utilizing the five man as a lob threat. They did it repeatedly with Carson Cooper. Um, and, and that was nice to see, but that was limited. There wasn't a ton of that. The majority yeah. of the damage they did was via their guards getting into the lane and finishing plays. And we've talked about it all year long, and it's going to remain true for the rest of the season. If Michigan State's guards can get into the lane and make things happen, this is a vastly different team offensively. Now, we've seen Tyson Walker, who has improved immeasurably over his three years in terms of his ability to finish at the rim. If you remember what he was like going to the rim two years ago versus now, yeah. it's night and day. Yeah. Um, but he's the only one who's done it consistently. Uh, we talk. We've spent so much time talking about AJ Hogart. I thought AJ Hogart <laughs> was tremendous today, and the numbers yeah. aren't earth shaking. 
you know, he had 14 points, five assists, four turnovers. He did have three steals. They're not, they're not like eye-popping numbers, but if you watch that game, especially in the second half, when, you know, MSU got off to kind of a sluggish start, Baylor made a few plays, and they got it down to 20, and it felt like, oh, are they going to make this uncomfortable? And then A.J. kind of took over and put his stamp on the game, started getting to the rim, finishing plays, drawing fouls, doing all the things that we know he's fully capable of doing but that he hasn't consistently done this year, and he played as well as he did defensively, I thought that was huge. And then yep. they got it from other people. You know, um, Trey Holloman, just a, another great game. And two for three on threes, okay, that's great. But he also made some plays getting to the rim. Um, I thought that uh, Jeremy Fears, even though he only had two points, he had four assists, and I thought he played very well. Um, finding opportunities to get into the lane and make things happen. He had one play in particular where he found his uh, his roommate, Xavier Booker, at the rim on a nice lob that X, X kind of, he didn't dunk, he kind of dropped it in through the hoop, but it was impressive. That's that's the bottom line. If Michigan State's guards can get into the lane and make things happen there, the whole offensive thing takes on a, a different tenor because that's going to mean that your spacing is better. It's going to mean you're getting higher quality jumpers because the defense has to collapse. And if you're finishing plays, those are high percentage shots. You know, if you're getting into the room. So everything gets better. The, the The bottom line is you have to have offensive balance between scoring inside and scoring outside. It's very hard to be one-dimensional and win. And, and this was the first time this year it felt like the balance was nearly perfect. Yep, I agree. And, you know, I know you... I don't know you didn't mean to belittle the two for three for Hallman, but I mean, the guy is shooting 48% this year. I don't think either of us think he's going to finish 48%, but who knows? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he looks like a 40% yeah. shooter out there now, he sure right? Does. I mean, I, it seems real. I, I made, I made the comment tonight on the Spartan mag board that, and, and this is how I feel about him. I watching him play. I trust him. You know, last year it was, yeah. we talked about it. Something it's like, okay, you trust him to run the offense. He's not, He's not mistake-prone, but you didn't feel that he had a lot of confidence in looking for his own shot. Well, that's changed. He's assertive, but at the same time, I feel like it's very rare that Trey takes a shot that doesn't feel like a good shot. Yeah. Those, those threes he's taking are good shots, you know, and his stroke, I thought it looked good last year, and it looks just as good this year. And they're they're falling for him, you know. But it wasn't just that he had a he had a runner in the first half that yeah. was a really tough make, but it was a good shot, and it's the kind of play that a confident player is tries to make, and it feels like that's what he is right now. And then you add in that he doesn't turn the ball over, um, and he's so reliable defensively. I mean, look, I'm not suggesting that Michigan State make a change because I think even though I felt like this was an overall step forward for Jaden Akins, they still need much more out of him. 
And if yeah. this team is ever going to get to where we hope they will, um, Jaden Akins has to be a huge part of that. So I'm not suggesting they should make a change, but right now Trey Holloman's been a better basketball player. And if you were evaluating it just on that, you would say, well, Trey Holloman should be getting more minutes because he's been that good, you know? Yeah. It's fu- it's so funny because he was the forgotten player this this summer. You know, it's like, well, I don't know if he's going to make the court, uh, you know, on the court. And yeah, here he is. but I, I, you know, look, it's it shouldn't be surprising to people because I thought as a freshman, you know, as we just talked about, yeah, there were some confidence issues in terms of him looking for his own shot, but it's pretty rare that a freshman guard comes into Michigan State and is that trustworthy in terms of running an offense. He was great defensively early as a freshman, and then he, he struggled a little bit as the year went on, but still, you know, overall, a pretty solid year defensively as a freshman. It's it's not common for a freshman guard to come in and be that reliable. So to me, and and again, we weren't talking about a guy, well, obviously his shot's broken. No, his right. his mechanics look good. So I don't think I don't think it should be I, I wouldn't have expected forty eight percent from three, <laughs> but but I don't think it should be shocking that he's played well at all, you know, and and you look at him now, and he and Jeremy Fears, they are, you know, for, for all the ways that the starters maybe have, have, well, not maybe, definitely, have not lived up to advanced billing, I think the things that we thought about Michigan State's depth at the guard spots with those two guys, with Trey Holloman and Jeremy Fears of what they could be, that has panned out. Yeah, or those, better, yeah. Those guys have been as advertised. In yeah, my opinion. For sure. Yeah. Well, that kind of makes a quick segue into the fourth key to the game, the guards. And, I mean, I think we've just been going over. The guard play was phenomenal. Uh, and Baylor's guards are great, and they were really – they were made to look not great in this game, and that's to credit to Michigan State's defense on the perimeter. Uh, you know, Tyson Walker, obviously, 25 points, and we haven't belabored it, but he was huge early. Yeah, and, and got Michigan that plus Michigan State's defense got them off to that big lead, and you know this has been a season obviously where we've seen just endless terrible starts, and today was exactly the opposite. Michigan State went out and kicked Baylor's ass pretty much from the opening tap. In fact, Baylor won the opening tap, and the first possession <laughs> ended in a shot clock violation. Yeah, so it almost awesome. could not be better. And then MSU comes down, Tyson hits a three. And away we go. And then Tyson, later on in the second half, kind of helped, you know, put the nail in the coffin with some big buckets. We talked about the way A.J. played. I think just a really, really solid overall game from him. And then Jaden Akins, only five points. You know, he hit, uh, what he hit? He had one three, and then he had, he had a dunk, a transition dunk. Only two for six from the floor, but, you know, four rebounds he had a steal he had a block but i the most important thing to me was the way he guarded i thought he was really really good defensively for most of that game and and all year long that's been something that's been lacking quite frankly from a player who came in as a freshman 
as a very advanced defensive player and I thought was really good last year. And he has just not been that this season. I mean, he got taken. The Nebraska game was awful for him defensively, you know? Yeah. He just got taken advantage of repeatedly in that game. It was shocking. It was so important, in my opinion, to see him get back on the beam defensively and be the kind of guy that I think he's capable of being. The offensive stuff, look, I'm I'm confident that the, the more this year goes along, we're going to yet see the offensive player we expected in Jay yeah. Makins. I'm confident in that. I really have. First of all, again, this isn't <laughs> – Maybe it's damning with faint praise, but he's up to 30% on the year from three. They say up to, uh, uh, there's a guy who shot 40% plus, but he's improving with the three. And I think he's going to go north from here. So he's showing some signs there. You know, there's some other stuff offensively that he's still, he's still got to find the balance between what he is and what he thinks he is offensively. <laughs> but man, yes. if he... If he guards and rebounds the way he had four rebounds in this game, if he guards and rebounds the way he did today, I'll live with everything else. For sure. And, and then we talked about, we already talked about Trey Holloman, a very good game. Jeremy Fears, I thought, played a really good game. Collectively, Michigan State's guards were better than Baylor's, period. Yeah, no question. Uh, so, fifth key to the game was defend without fouling. Again, definitely a win there, too. Uh, you know, Michigan State did the opposite they've they got fouled a lot uh, so they had, they were 18 for 20 from the line actually not a very that if there's one problem with the game you'd say the free throw shooting was poor uh for uh, by it, their standards what you'd expect for them late they they hit their first nine yeah right and then they and then, then they, they, they mean, got good shaky. people struggled yeah then it got shaky and look that's been they're only shooting 68 percent on the year as yeah. a team that's a that's, problem that'll yeah that should not last you know, but you know, Tyson Walker's shooting like sixty percent. It's guys yes. that you can't just say, "Well, Body Sissoko and Carson Cooper are living on the line." No, and those guys have actually shot it reasonably well. Yeah, um, it's guys like Tyson, Malik Hall, to some extent, Holgard, Akins. It's guys you would expect to hit them to be, you know, seventy-five percent plus guys. Because that's what they've been in their careers who have struggled. But, uh, you know, be that as it may, um, Baylor only attempted 19 free throws. They were 12 yeah. for 19. And, and, a lot of those, <laughs> and a lot of those came in the second half. I mean, the first yeah. half, Baylor only shot five. Right. That was, that was important, that, that you could defend at the level Michigan State did and do it only giving up five free throw attempts. That was that was a really big, maybe quiet part of how good they were in that first half. You know, um, yep. second half it got both ways. It kind of got, you know, it got physical. I think both teams, if I remember correctly, ended up in the double bonus. So, um, and in fact, Michigan State got into the bonus quick. Michigan State was in the bonus in the second half. I want to say with like 15 minutes or 14 I, minutes I left. Think, it I was think you're right. It was crazy yeah. how early it was. Um, and then, you know, it, 
Michigan State caught up, so to speak, and Baylor got yeah. the bonus. And, but um, but overall, look, it's amazing how good you can be defensively <laughs> when you don't let the opponent get into the lane at will. Yeah. <laughs> it figure. was the key <laughs> to everything today. They don't get penetration. They have a harder time drawing fouls. They don't have drive and kick opportunities, so the quality of looks from three aren't as good, and consequently they don't make them at the level they're used to. Um, they're not scoring at will around the rim. It's just the whole thing started with that. Yeah, and I guess the only thing I'd say is, you know, cone car, those dunks. So, of course, like I told you, I was watching in these freeze frames. They were like heated dunk it. And I was like, well, that must have been an amazing dunk. But every time they show the replay, it's him jumping, and then you see him hang on the rim. I never actually saw the dunk, despite how many replays they did. I'm, like, I, I'm actually looking forward to watch the game in replay look. because I, they look like um, they look like majestic. Like I saw they some were. still frames, like um, incredible. The one, the one toward the end of the first half, um, I think it was can't remember if it was AJ or Tyson threw the ball ahead and I don't think he dribbled like he caught it he kind of leaked out it was like a three-quarter court pass and he caught it and in one motion it was really impressive and then I know he had one uh, from AJ on a lob in transition which was also impressive but I'll tell you what, for as much as people are going to remember those dunks, and they should, I don't mean to to downplay them, but I mentioned earlier, I was so impressed with the way he defended in this game, yeah. particularly Block two off steals. the ball. Yeah. He had two, two times Baylor, and Baylor has a lot of success, and they have for years, at letting their guards, kind of what Michigan State did to them today, that their guards kind of turning the corner, on pick and rolls and just kind of lobbing the ball to the rim. And Baylor always seems to have these 6'9", 6'10", guys who are good athletes that just kind of go get it. And they did that multiple times in this game, and there were two times they tried to do it, and Cohen Carr just got there before anybody else and deflected it. It was really impressive because it was a combination, in my opinion, it was a combination of instinct and him actually being able to read a play and use his athletic ability. That's that's the thing. When when all of that, the 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 basketball IQ, the experience stuff, fully catches up with his athletic tools. Yeah, watch out. Yeah, look out. And and he's showing signs, but this was. This was really, really good from him, and the dunks were great. But I was, I was a lot happier with the defense because that's the that's the end that I don't know yet whether he can perform game in, game out. And if he can play at this level on a more consistent basis, Michigan State's really got something. Yeah, I watch, and I know you talked about this before the season started, but it. I feel like that somehow he just thinks the uh, the basketball, the hoop or something is like cheating on his girlfriend or cheating on. I mean, the way he punishes that, it's just, he looks angry every time he yeah. just attacks the rim. It's, 
it's it's, it's impressive. So, when you when you have guys like that, you know, we talked a while back about the effect of emotion on a game, and you know, Michigan State. I I did I lost count the number of dunks they had. A lot of dunks in this game. Yeah, easily more than any other game this season, I think. But when you have a guy like that, that is such a freak of nature athletically, you you saw. I mean, in the, even watching a glitchy version as you did. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it sounds like um, the emotion coming through for in that building when he made those plays was off the charts. And and when you have a weapon like that, man, that is, that is something that can turn a game emotionally on a dime when you have a guy that can make the kind of plays that he can make. Um, yeah. uh, really impressive. I also wanted to mention too before we uh, before we're done. You know, we talked about Jeremy Fears. We talked about Colin Carr. I do want to talk about Xavier Booker. Um, he had seven points, which people are going to focus on. You know, and he hit a three, and you know, all good. To hit a mid-range jumper, all good stuff. But what I liked is, and this is the first time he's played. He didn't play against Wisconsin. He didn't play yeah. against Nebraska. It's the first time he's played in a while, and I wasn't sure whether this would be a game that would, you know, lend itself to to book getting a lot of minutes, but he did, and he was productive when he was in there, but not just productive. I thought you you saw some signs of him doing the kinds of things they need him to learn to do. So by that, I mean he's actually going and and getting somebody trying trying to block out on a on a missed shot. Yeah. Now, not always successfully, but he's trying, which is in a, a very, very important first step. Now he wasn't perfect. There was a play in the second half where he had his back to the ball for about five seconds. And it, I believe it was Ray J. Dennis had just he beat his man, and because there was no help, he just had a wide open path to the rim for a layup, and and Book never saw him. His back was to the ball. He hit. <laughs> it was a clinic on how you don't defend. So he's not all the way there yet by any stretch. But if if we're talking about signs of progress, he absolutely showed some today. And I'm not talking about any of the three baskets he made. That's all important too, you know. Getting some scoring is one reason why you want him to earn his way into more minutes, right? But yeah. he's got to be able to do. He's got to be able to be connected defensively. He's got to be able to at least put up a fight as a rebounder. At least occupy his guy so somebody else can go get a rebound. Well, he did some of those things today, especially in the first half. And and that's a definite step forward. So I wanted to make sure to mention him. You know, he, he didn't he didn't play a ton of minutes, but I thought he showed some signs of progress. And so as we're especially as we're starting to head into the holiday break, you know, we got a couple more games and then they've got that period between Christmas and New Year where a lot of times you see guys make jumps at Michigan State. I think that's going to be a really important time for Xavier Booker. But 
he's he's showing some at least some small signs of the kind of progress they need him to make. Yeah, this is definitely a game I had not expected to see Steven Izzo play. And that play <laughs> with Izzo, where he got, we stripped off that rebound and they got yeah. fouled. I thought, oh, he's going to do it. He's finally going to. Yep. Yeah, he's finally going to score, and yet yeah. missed both. And kind of, it looked bad. It looked like they're bad misses, but I couldn't really tell for sure. <laughs> one um, one other thing worth mentioning too. Uh, some listeners may have noticed that Jackson Kohler was in a boot again. Oh, um, and Izzo said after the game he felt a little bit of soreness. It was precautionary. He didn't say anything about a change timeline. He's still saying after Christmas they expect him back. So I think we can still stay cautiously optimistic, but you would prefer not to have seen that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I certainly didn't notice that, so I appreciate knowing that. All right. uh, Well, let's wrap it up there. Uh, We'll be back. We got a quick turnaround. We got Oakland coming up on Monday, so we'll be back later today with (laughs) the Oakland uh, pregame. And then with the postgame after Oakland. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. Go green.